Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I ask Please. you a question, Tim? Like, when you saw Romancing the Stone, were you like, that's it? That is the life I want? You're, the soundtrack of your early adolescence sounds exactly like that Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Pennsylvania Columbia movie. Like, oh, that was one sure. of the most important movies of my life. There you Romancing go. the Stone, yeah. And that's why you're an elderly white woman. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. this fine Wednesday. Good, man. How are you? Ben, you are there in Knoxville. I am Tim Plain here in Asheville. Jeff Simons, where are you right now? I am not in Berkeley, California. I, between the last podcast and this one, the family and I drove like banshees to New Haven, Connecticut, and I wow. just taken a COVID test, and I am self-quarantining until the results before I do or do not visit uh, family for the first time in a while. Okay. Well, was the driving more difficult than the COVID test or was the COVID test? Uh, There's four of us. So the driving was about a million times more more (laughs) difficult. Uh, That's a big country. I don't know if you've driven it lately, but it's it's 47 hours, Ah, about about 40 of which are unmasked. So uh, we were... We, we did it Berkeley style. We, we uh, ordered the food we like, put it in a cooler, bought an easy bake trucker's oven and heated it up <laughs> in the car. And uh, did you really? Now we self wow. quarantined all the way across. We had digital key, oh, like 2 a.m. hotel rooms. Like we really, it was like that um, Bruce Springsteen song. We drove 800 miles without seeing a cop. Like we barely interacted with the world. <laughs> wow. Miles. But the world, the world you did see did not have masks on. No, I, I was saying, I think I said it to you guys, it's like a zombie movie. Like the masked people are all travelers and medical professionals and they're moving at regular speed. And then the rest of the middle is like three quarter speed, maskless, like kind of coming at you. <laughs> uh, I, saw, I, was almost, I was almost part of a fight between an EMT guy and a guy who ripped his mask off and called him a fascist. And Really? Where was that? That was in um, uh, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Oh, Indiana. Well, so. are we popular enough that we can give a message to our listeners? I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. Let's just that's say it to each other. That's the question I'm afraid to really look at. Let's say I, it to each other. Wear your mask. I think after my 77 and 78 picks, I'm not allowed to give any advice. <laughs> yeah. I'm off the list. Oh, wait. Wait till 81 for me. All right, well, let's uh, set the tone. We like to set the tone, figuring out what the uh, Grammy judges uh, thought was the best song of 1981. Um, Oh, boy. Let's go. Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. Oh, that sound. I hate that sound. That 81 sounds so bad. Her hair is hollow gold. Her lips sweet surprise. Her hands are never cold. She's got Betty Davis eyes. She'll turn her music All right. Oof. What, what is that? The thing is that I actually, under other circumstances, I would not hate that that much. The, the, so the, the sound on the guitar there, like that drippy, goopy guitar. And then they're like, right. they're, they're in the studio and they're like, you know, I feel like we need something here. Oh, you know what we need? Is a gloopy synthesizer on top of the guitar. Right. I feel like we didn't have enough of a wash of annoying sounds. So, so let's that, add that. You're totally right. That is the Yamaha DX7. 
That is the keyboard that makes all those sounds. The, the Yamaha DX7 and the Juno 106, the Roland Juno 106 are the sound of the 80s keyboards. And that is, it is so dated. And I don't even hate it like Ben does, but it, man, does it just tell you about a particular moment in sonic time. Is that your boy, uh, Thomas Dolby on keyboards there? It is, and he's on, uh, he's on other songs that were in the running for this year though for sure <laughs> uh, don't be messing with thomas dolby he may or may not show up in this podcast i don't want to tip my hand but uh there's a uh, chance i'm toying you, with it if you blind me with science i won't blind you with science i might go deep cut uh, <laughs> dear lord <laughs> well tim don't uh, poke the bear man <laughs> i mean stay away stay away uh all right, you guys well, know that the song was everywhere. I remember oh. being on a oh, yeah. camping trip where Susan Schiffler had made a 60-minute tape of just Betty Davis eyes for her Walkman. And she was just on a loop? It on a loop, on a continuous loop through the whole camping Well, that trip. is a strange choice. Schaefer, Susan Schaefer, sorry. Yeah, okay. George and I just watched uh, the movie All About Eve, and that's got Betty Davis in it. And I was explaining how her eyes are a most famous feature, and I started playing that song, and George was exceedingly puzzled by that <laughs> song. That it was a song? She was like, and she was like, was that a popular song? I was like, gargantuan monster hit. Monster hit. Yeah. It's going to get it's gonna get a little worse when we get to the number one uh, hit of 1981. But before we do, we should make a note that Today's podcast, 1981, is a little strange because we're going to take a segment from 1980s podcast and just plop it in right here. Top three guitar players of all time. And I gave you guys two parameters. Uh, Number one, it has to be something that is beyond just a virtuoso that this person also has a style all of his or her own. And then I also asked you to pick guitar players who had some sort of mass appeal or knew how to connect to a larger audience rather than just a, a Steve Vai or who was Steve Vai's teacher? Oh, Joe, Joe Satriani. Sa- yeah, Joe Satriani. Satriani. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had his record and Steve Vai records too. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm so curious as to what you guys think. Is there um, going to be agreement between the two of you and guitar gods? Uh, Almost assuredly not agreement. I'd be stunned if we picked any of the same three guys. Oh, Holy we must cow. have picked at least one person in common. We'll find out. You don't have Hendrix? So it's, I have Hendrix. We have one. Well, that's okay, a great. Duh. I mean, right. like, if you don't have Hendrix, then we have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Wait, what, uh, what, so picked, what place I do you have Hendrix three, in? I picked three reasons for guitar players. It's such an impossible. I mean, because I, I got like it's, a thousand. It's an impossible like, question. Legit. Right. So I pick, I wanted to pick like a guy whose style knocked me on my ass, a guy whose sound knocked me on my ass, and a guy whose parts or the way he approached playing in a song. Uh, I'm sorry. Out. What's the so difference between style and sound? Well, the actual literal sound that, is made by the guitar, not like by, the, and then by the, the style, style of playing of... is like strumming speed, right? So all right, dude, give it to us. Uh, so for Hendrix, my moment is Third Stone from the Sun. Um, I just remember that song coming on. It's got all that backwards like, and then it becomes this great little funky jam. But I'd never heard a guitar. Uh, like just create its own soundscape before. That's a great and I remember being 11 years old and just being like that, that's totally different. And I need to listen to that over and over. And okay. Over. So that's and he my did that repeatedly. Like yeah. I have, I have the same exact concept written down. The second solo in all along the watchtower. Yes. Yeah. Where it comes in with a slide. The yeah. And then he comes back with a Wawa on top of it. It's just like, Whoa. Yeah. That, okay. That, amazing. Okay, we All got right. an agreement. My second, my second one is for rhythm guitar playing, and it's Pete Townsend from The Who, and it's um, a very specific song. It's a song called Drowned, but it's not the one from Quadrophenia. Uh, Townsend did a solo acoustic version for that movie, The Secret Policeman's Ball, that was like Monty Python, and, and they were raising money for charity, and, and he played three songs solo acoustic. And Townsend plays, um, he calls it the Yagadang chord. That's actually Townsend's Instagram handle. 
It's Yagadang because it's a is Yagadang. It really? Yeah, which is his thing. But he actually goes, Ba-da-da-dum. he does this kind of flamenco, strum, and, and okay. uh, he does it cleaner and better than anybody else. When you take that acoustic, like, bang, ba-da-da-dang, ga-dang, 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 and put it underneath his electric guitar and what the Who were doing, like, that, that, I've been trying unsuccessfully to play like that ever since <laughs> I heard him do it. So, that's a huge awesome. Homer pick. I disagree with that pick. That's yeah, like, but it's great. But it's, <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. Like, there isn't a better rhythm were, guitar player. It was as if you were Tim and you're a huge Patriots fan, and we were like, who's the best quarterback? And you were like, Tom Brady. And we were like, well, that's, that's a good argument for that. Do you think there's a better rhythm hold guitarist? On, hold on, hold on. Wait. And then we were like, oh, who's the best wide receiver? And you were like, well, Wes Welker. I mean, that, that's the obvious <laughs> one. Keith Townsend is not picking Wes Welker. It is picking Tom Brady. It's but close. It's not All right. close. Time out, time out. Who's All right, your ben, number two? Ben, go Who's to yours. Uh, the three that I have are... Wait, just go Go with your second. Oh, uh, I've oh. got Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. He completely and utterly disrupted... I mean, so Hendrix was like this too. Yeah. Hendrix, like, just turned the table over and nothing was the same afterwards. Yeah. And he did it over and over and over again. And that's what, that's what Van Halen was like. That first Van Halen record, um, just as a technical masterpiece of playing, is the single greatest leap forward for guitaring period, including Hendrix. I, I prefer wow. Hendrix, but I mean, that first Van Halen record, when you get to Eruption, yeah. like everybody in America, there's a lot of people play guitar and they all yeah. were like, whoa. What like, the like, heck I, is I'm that? I'm not sure how we did that. Like, was yeah. that like, did he do that with the keyboard? Like, what, what is that sound that's coming from that machine? And right. dude, when you go see them live, he just does Eruption, period. Live. Yeah, no, like, it's it's amazing. Capable can... of doing that. He was so much faster and so much more technically adept. And also the sound of it, everything about it was a huge leap forward. Well, wasn't he also, I read an article once where he would like take a chainsaw to his guitar and, and like just kind of change the shape of it. Oh, yeah. And no, do all, dude. Do and all sorts like, of weird uh, stuff. And I'm going to forget. It's a later one. It's a Van Hagar song. But uh-huh. he like this is the, like he, now he's like in his 40s. He's uh, doing home renovations and he's playing with the drill. And he's like, it's, oh, you know, I should, should put the song Sadly, the, the song is called Pound Cake. Yeah, but dude, but the beginning yes. of that song where I was like, it's cool. it's like, what? Super cool. And I, knew you, that I, knew you were gonna, okay. I knew you were going to pick Van Halen, so I thought You can't not choose him. I understand you're not going to, but you can't not choose him. My I'm third pick is like a little more out there, but those two are obvious. All right, Jeff, let's hear your third pick My first. My third pick, I, you know, every once in a while you see a band and a guitar player does something and you're really startled by it. And, uh, uh, this is a nothing moment. I was see, I I saw Radiohead a bunch of times, but on the Kid A tour, I had a really good seat, so I was like ten uh-huh. rows back. So I'm watching the and the second song is a song called Morning Bell, which is not even a guitar song, and Johnny Greenwood uh, is playing. He's not even playing a chord. He's just playing a moment of percussion, like just as he runs his hands across the string, and I realized that that's the thing holding the whole song together. That you, this you know there's a big loopy bass line and uh tom york's playing a fender Rhodes, and right, the right. thing that holds the whole thing together is this just not even the choice to play a guitar chord and then i just got riveted by him and i watched him all night and uh that guy he can play fast he can play rock and blues but man does he he is so careful about what he decides to play and even more impressively what he decides not to play he's like the he's like the great minimalist ass-kicking guitar hero in a band that, to my sadness, uses him that way less and less and less and less. But in that sweet spot of like the bends through Hail to the Thief, yeah, like I think he's the most interesting guitar player making music at that point. So my third pick, because of parts, because of writing, because of his willingness to stretch the sonics of the instrument, I'm going with Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, I thought Pete Townsend was your dark horse. No, no, I actually uh, prefer the Greenwood pick. The Greenwood pick is interesting and useful, and he, he is a, a really good guitarist. I'm super happy, though, because I just drilled Jeff on this. There's just no doubt about it. <laughs> My third one is Prince, and uh, it's unassailable. He's so unbelievably great at playing the guitar, <laughs> and he does it all. Like, he goes funk. He goes yeah. to the soaring solos. 
Uh, for I actually went through, and so for Van Halen, it was easy. Eruption is the easy one. Hendrix yeah. was harder. I had like, there were like four different Hendrix songs. Um, and actually, it wasn't the third stone from the sun. I had access to Spolder's Love, Little Wing, and Watchtower all yeah, in yeah. there. And I had to leave Paige off. I actually can, I just bumped well, Paige for Hendrix. I let Hendrix take over in Paige's slot. Um, wow. But uh, for Prince, uh, you can put Kiss, just the guitar part in Kiss is so unbelievably funky and perfect. It's like it's boiled great. down 20 years of funk music into that one guitar part. Or if you prefer, you can go with the solos in Purple Rain, which are just like, just right. uh, gut punching, tear jerking, just pull it out of you. That guy got everything that there is out of the instrument. And this is uh, apocryphal and probably not true. But there's that great quote uh, where they ask Clapton, what's it like to be the world's greatest guitarist? And he's like, I don't know, ask Prince. And yeah. I agree yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah, he's well, great. Th- have you seen the, uh, that live concert of While My Guitar Gently Weeps? Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. I love that. It's one of the all-time great uh, Hold My Beer moments. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone ever. else is looking at him like, oh, my God. That's you know, so yeah. great. Did you, have you heard the story of the 25th anniversary of Silent Night Live? They bring everybody back. They've got all uh-huh. the most famous people, including Eddie Murphy makes his first turn back there. I yep, can't remember yep. who the musical guests are, but it's the world's biggest stars. They go to the party. The band's playing at the party. Prince gets up there. The hush comes over the room. And all the most famous people in America just stand there slack-jawed watching Prince melt Wait, it down. Like, did you know, have a cell phone? Do we have video life. of this? Any video of this? I think there's just stories. Yeah. Wow. I, I remember when... Uh, ben, you invited us to Bonnaroo and we got to um, go see Wilco. And uh, it was so fun noticing all the other bands coming to like stand in front of Nels Klein. And they're just like, wait, how's he doing that? What's he doing? It's like they were constantly yeah. talking to each other about what they were seeing Nels Klein doing. Yeah, totally. He's doing such Nels is funky brilliant. stuff. Those are all great picks. I, I I was trying to pick ones that I knew Ben wouldn't pick. I actually didn't think he'd have Hendrix on there. I thought oh, he'd have some Hendrix. He can't. I thought you'd have some kind of angry, overrated, who's listened to Hey Joe more than a million times thing. But uh, <laughs> I tried to pick three guys you wouldn't pick. <laughs> I don't disagree with any of your picks. They're all great picks. Wow. But you know uh, who the most interesting guitar player currently, like current artist, is uh, St. Vincent, Annie Clark. Oh, she's lovely. Yeah, that's great. That her. I mean, if you want, if if you're out there and you're like, well, who is the current interesting guitar hero of the moment? Like you mentioned, Nels Klein, he's great. But I, I vote for Annie Clark and Saint Vincent. Her, Saint her Vincent. stuff is super, and she's a killer piano player. Her last record came out, and then she released uh, an all just piano and voice version of it three months later. That's you actually guys, maybe even better. You guys are so. killing me. I'm taking so many notes here. My homework. Uh, from this podcast grows and grows all right uh, 1981 hostages are released after 444 days Prince Charles and Lady Die wed wow okay good good we have the did first you watch that did you watch that wedding oh I did I, saw, I watched some of it for no. sure no, no, and by when I say I, I mean, like, we had one TV, and that's what the TV watched, so I yeah. watched as well. Every chance. But I was not excited about it at all. No. But, it, but I remember it was, you couldn't get away from it. Oh, yeah, it was brutal. Right, everywhere. Uh, first space shuttle flight. Let's play a game of categories. Name a space shuttle. Jeff, you go first. Challenger. Oh, that's the only one we had. Enterprise, isn't there? <laughs> Good. Jeff? Julian Fries. I, I'm done after those two. <laughs> Julian. The very first space shuttle in 1981, the Columbia. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Okay. Anyways, Mozart's Lost Symphony was discovered by the Bavarian State Library. It was a three-movement symphony in F major. It was bundled in a bunch of papers that the library had purchased, and there they found this lost symphony from when Mozart was in London. How old, how old was Mozart when he wrote this symphony? I'm going to guess he was 32 years old. He was nine. Oh, for God's sake. I, I thought just, I got lost. I, know, I, <laughs> I, I, just like, wanted, I thought I had it right here on my desk. 
<laughs> if somebody finds writing of mine from when I was nine, I want to make sure you guys burn that before That's they're like, great. oh. <laughs> Jeff Simons, MTV launches. Good thing or a bad thing? Great thing, uh, especially when they decided to actually play black artists. But uh, MTV was- How long the, did that take? Uh, two and a half years. It took forever, okay. which is why. Um, but I think uh, MTV uh, was kind of an important thing. If you were in the Midwest and you were feeling kind of alone and didn't really want to engage in like the footloose culture of that moment. I think MTV suggested a way out and that there were other people out there with different artistic sensibilities and interests. And, and then, so I, you know, the bad thing about it. Yeah. That, that once, once the visual image was more important than the recorded image, some, you know, I think some bands leaned too hard into the video rather than working on the audio, but uh, yeah, but I, I discovered music. I never would have heard without it because of it. So I would say good thing. Okay. When did they stop playing music? How long goes? How long has it been? 1990. I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> a short, short. I was a big MTV guy. Like I really liked it. I had an yeah. MTV t-shirt. Like, did you? Did you, you guys didn't have it, right, Ben? Dude, in Brooklyn, they didn't even have cable. Right. They refused to bring cable in until after I graduated college. So, I mean, that's no. crazy. What? Why? Uh, because the mob controlled it, and there was a fight over it. I mean, huh. I should say allegedly before that, but basically they, they couldn't get the rights, even though a lot of people live in Brooklyn that wanted to pay a lot of money to cable. So That's insane. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing you've turned out how you have. <laughs> um, let's go to the number one hit of 1981. This is just a down year. Physical by Olivia Newton-John. What is the line where she says horizontally? What what, what is she saying? Right, good Lord. <laughs> horizontally. Oh. I think I took you to an intimate restaurant is already more than <laughs> That's great. That, not know, one of them not one of them Fridays or one of them cheesecake factories. No, no. no. <laughs> no. I Living in John was when I realized that your my parents actually were like humans with with like tastes and interests like my dad obviously had an enormous crush on olivia newton john like he didn't like music and he didn't buy records and we had her whole catalog like we just like <laughs> we bought this record the day it was released and listened to it a lot in my house and i remember like when he like when he stopped to purchase the olivia newton john record on the way home i was like oh dad has a thing for a thing, I they, he's got a crush on this on this celebrity, and they're like it was it they it it made him it three dimensionalized him for me in a little way, so uh, wow. not that I have a soft spot for that terrible song. Oh, it's bad. It's the number one hit of nineteen eighty one. You you Google best songs of nineteen eighty one. There are some dogs that come up, but we're gonna save things. I actually thought I had everything saved with Billy Squire. And I started doing some research. And instead, this is the invitation to cynicism question. Do you know the Billy Squire song, Lonely is the Night? Yes. Do we know it? Yeah. You know that, Ben? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've always loved that song. Sorry. I mean, when you. Oh, come on now. And, Dude, uh, so uh, I did not choose a Billy Squire song, but if I uh-huh. chose, if if the, the eight, 1981 Ben Barton were here, he would have chosen that exact song. And then when pressed on it, 
He would uh-huh. have been like, oh, Billy Squire is like Led Zeppelin squeezed into one guy. It's yeah. like Page and Plant came together yeah. to become Billy Squire. Yes. Yes. Um, what, what happened to that boy? You, you no longer believe that? No. Sad, no. Well, that's what I found out in, in doing my research, that the Led Zeppelin song, Nobody's Fault But Mine, is clearly the predecessor to Billy Squire's Lonely as the Night. Have you, have you listened to that song recently? Nobody's Fault true? But Mine? Oh, yeah. Check it out, dude. Here we go. He's not wrong. Oh, Oh, yeah, this part. Dude, there's only eight notes. That's cl- that's that that's uh, an homage at best. Um, that's that's not a ripoff. They're different. Not a well, ripoff. No, no, you gotta go to the. It's after. Well, I mean, you you can edit this part, but basically, if you go after the beginning of both songs, that's when it sounds exactly the same. It's like right, 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 right. Okay, I forgot. So that's the set. Like I do love the, the backwards course. snare drum on the stroke, though. That was one of the coolest sounds. Oh yeah, man, movie. dude. Yeah. This is this is great. When I, I remember when my first band, we covered the stroke and I kept like yelling, why don't you make the drum do the thing it does in the song? <laughs> boom, whack, do that like whoosh thing. It's like, dude, it's backwards. I was like, oh, that would be hard to do then. <laughs> that would be really hard. Uh, yeah, Billy Squire, nobody's fault but mine. Um, I would like to know, invitation to cynicism. What artist do you think of when you think of, or what song do you think of when you think of someone who is just a, a ripoff, someone who is just taking someone else's game or taking someone else's notes or lyrics uh, and, and repackaging it as their own? You can't say Vanilla Ice. That's too harsh a question. I mean, like, uh, much of this stuff is just building on each other. Like it's, I don't know. I can't pick, pick huh. somebody who's a particularly big ripoff. I don't even think Billy Squire's that big a ripoff. Yeah, I'm okay with Billy. I mean, you like, there's individual huh. examples that are hilarious, like Ray Parker Jr., Ghostbusters, and Huey Lewis, I Want a New Drug. That's a good one. That's just like a straight... straight oh, dude, we've pop. got a good one that's sort of tangentially related to my selection. Uh, the Blurred Line Marvin Gaye is amazing. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's Wait, a what? Per- Blurred lines. The what? Who? Who did that? What's that? Uh, Robin Thick. Yeah, Robin Thick. Yeah. Robin Thick's blurred lines is a total Robin Gay just swipe. They got. They got. They had to cough it up too, right? They oh got, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, they, there are several problems. Actually, the, the the thing that's crazy about it is that the song sounds a little different, but it's the drum beat and the vibe. It's identical. Like yeah. they huh. just took the drum beat and then the background noise and then put blurred lines on top of it. Uh, so they might have been able to skate by it, except for that they were on record multiple times talking to each other, including interviewers, saying the vibe we were looking for oh, God. is <laughs> this exact song we stole. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's uh, Got to Give It Up is the name of the uh, Marvin Gaye song. So hilarious. That's a good one. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, Tim. I, I don't usually listen. I mean, I won't listen to bands that sound exactly like other bands I like, but I don't. I don't get mad at them. I just don't really pay a ton of attention. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like if a band has already done something and then there's another band that does it exactly like it, unless it's a thing I really love, I usually am just like, yeah, I liked it too. But I move on. I, I might not listen to them. And Billy Squire, you know, he was, he was legit, right? I mean, he was in a couple of New York bands before he went out on his own. But they, I, I they, just know that Billy they, Squire oh, is the only guy. This, this is how this all comes together. MTV destroyed yes. Billy Squire's very promising career because he made I that was, dancing around working. video for Rock Me Tonight. That I was literally up killed to his, that. I mean, that. That was it. It killed his career. He had it going on. He had two back-to-back platinum records. He was an emerging superstar, and he made that dancing round video, and it was he was done. I mean, it's just incredible. He fell off an absolute shelf. So, which is fascinating because the movements he makes in that video Mick Jagger would make 
Dude, but there's something about ter- him. No, no, no. He's more Elaine Bennis than Mick Jagger in that. <laughs> you know, he's, he's no, trouble. no. You got to watch it. I mean, it's, it's bad. He puts on pajama pants and a pink tank top, and then he rips it off, and he's crawling around. It's more like West Side Squire than anything else. It's so bad. <laughs> I hate that video so bad. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. So I can't if you don't know what but I'm I like talking about. I like that song. Yeah. Uh, he had another big hit, uh, 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 Everybody Wants You. That was a, oh, cool, yeah, totally. that was a great song. Great song. Great song. Uh, I grew up near him. And no, everyone would be like, oh, that's Billy Squire's house. I'm like, no way. Like, that's where Billy Squire grew up. He did well. Grew up nicely in uh, Another in great time. Bostonian rears its head. That, that's, that's right. I'm trying to figure out why we were spending 11 and a half minutes in Billy Squire. <laughs> <No>, for sure. <laughs> R3 songs. Uh, pick. So uh, I don't know if you guys will be okay with this one, but um, this is from a, a hugely popular band that we all love. And this came out at the height of their career. And it's one of their like war horse. You can hear it on classic rock or oldies radio now, probably anywhere in America at any time. And I just love it. I love the recording. I love the performance. I love the melody. Um, I love it more now as an adult than I did as a kid. And uh, it's not really indicative of this band's particular strengths, in my opinion. Like, I, it's not, it's, it's, it, maybe that's why I'm so impressed by it. Like, it doesn't sound a whole lot like the rest of their, their catalog and what, and the pe- little pieces that I love about them and other songs aren't necessarily on display here. But um, it's become one of my all time favorite songs. Like, I have, a, I have no idea. No idea. Ben, do you know? Is it uh, one of the kink songs from this year? It is not. It is The Police. Everything She Does is Magic by The Police. Ah, it's a pretty one. Stuart Copeland's drumming and the great bass lines and all the energy and those things aren't really on display here I mean Copeland's fills are amazing in the end of the song but like it's a piano based track and it's slow in ways that usually bug me but it's gorgeous and pretty and every time this comes on the radio I find myself turning it up and I'm singing along at the end like full like I'm all excited (laughs) driving too fast so that's my that's my eighty one. It's a, just a big boring top five smash. Love it, love it. I like it. that. Um, so you, Jeff, will know my favorite Police is just the first version of the Police, like the speed punk band, and even yeah. more than the record, they, they, the reissue of it put out a live show, and I'm pretty sure it's in Boston, right, Jeff? Is it? Yeah, the live it's show? great. They're amazing, dude. It's a live show in Boston where they play everything double time. Yeah, and it shreds like it's so 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 good um that being said this is a beautiful gorgeous song and whatever else you want to say about sting he was really a beautiful arranger like all the different parts of this song that fit together are amazing um and this does really play to the various guys strengths like the guitar part in here is just so great like he like he takes these chunky chords and breaks it apart into his constituent parts and then yep. plays it all in this really, really lovely finger picky-ish way that creates a wash of sound for you. Um, and then the drum part is just super intricate and interesting and works perfectly. The, the thing that for me, it's a little bit like, um, 
uh, like there are certain movie makers where I much prefer their commercial work to their non-commercial work. So like, the, there's just like the Cone brothers, yeah. like uh, for the police, I would much rather that they rock out. And so this is great, but I like, it's not my favorite version of it. So it just makes me sad. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't disagree with any of that. It makes like, me sad. <laughs> that early police, those first two records and the band live 77 and 79, they're, they're just awesome. Oh yeah. They have all the energy of punk and all of the, chops of guys who really studied and played and they were all old enough to hold it together and bring it every night they were so professional without losing the energy and that kind of like middle finger of rock and roll that's that's a kind of an important piece of it but uh so yeah i mean i i don't think i don't even know if it's it might be my favorite police song i don't think it is but it's it's definitely my favorite from ghost in the machine and it's my favorite song from this year for sure great song is he the best uh lead singing bass player paul mccartney is the best lead singing bass player i think okay and then come on getty lee (laughs) (laughs) they have a big album in 1981 i know i almost picked i almost picked one of their songs (laughs) hey uh the three of us saw the police together at bonnaroo hey what year was that oh seven no that was 13 years ago? Are you kidding me? I think it was. Ah, oh, dear Lord. I thought they were pretty good. We're so old. They were fun, man. I, was, I, I, had, I missed them in the heyday, so I was thrilled to just get to hear those songs loud. Yeah. And, uh, they, they, they looked happy, happy to get back together. Um, I will say Sting played shirtless, and he looks great. It's really annoying. It was actually. amazing and how good should, he looked. And I will say do... they, they toured as a trio, which in my opinion was a mistake, Summer's Camp can't play anymore he, like, yeah. it's, it's really 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 hard to fill in that much guitar work and he's just not good enough i mean now he's not he was better right yeah. what those are really what? He's 10 years older than those other two guys oh yeah no dude for sure is he oh yeah um so yeah 1989 will be our our shirtless podcast you got the email right <laughs> that we're doing yeah, i'm that. working on it i've got <laughs> i've got eight of the 12 packs covered i'm still i'm still getting some definition <laughs> ben what is your favorite song all right so um i chose a song recorded in 81 released in 82 i recognize that's borderline cheating that's okay um, it's a lot <laughs> so uh jeff if you will hit us with sexual healing uh i'm gonna forgive your obvious rule-breaking no dude this is on the rules i put did the rain song, song the year it was recorded this song's great Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. is that just it's the last great Marvin Gaye song and that's yep. a tragedy Aww. guy gets shot by his own dad in 1983 nuts um, it's a Marvin Gaye comeback song so similar to James Brown and some of these other guys this is a guy who had at least four different careers along the way Jeff can you name Marvin Gaye's first band oh the moon glows that, okay, so he's in the Marquis. <laughs> okay. The Moonglows hired the Marquis. Ah. So he's in this. So he basically, his dad's a, a, a super abusive um, yeah. oh. preacher, you see. Marvin Gaye starts out in gospel like a lot of these guys and then joins this vocal group that's like a doo-wop late 50s group. I also had no idea how old Marvin Gaye was. I thought that yeah. he was sort of a contemporary to Stevie Wonder, but that's extra wrong. 
Like he's a full on grown up in the fifties. Yeah. Hey Jeff, there is a song. There's actually two songs that you know for sure that include the vocal work of the Marquise. Do you want me to give you a hint? Yeah. Two Chuck Berry songs. Have the Marquise singing backgrounds? Yeah, man. And if you think of the doo-wop sound, maybe you'll get it. Oh, I can't. I'm totally blanking. Go for it. Uh, it's the back in the USA. The, uh-huh. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's uh-huh. that. That's awesome. And yeah, isn't that awesome. amazing? And then um, Almost Grown has got it, too. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's Totally. Great. Yeah. So they don't have any any hits by themselves, and they get cut from the label. Then Marvin Gaye has a brief tour as a studio musician in Detroit. Jeff, what instrument? Don't know. Saxophone? Drums! Drums! He's a freaking studio drummer. And so we'll we'll go back to this when you get to this song, and it's it's true for his hits throughout it. You could really hear it. As soon as I learned that fact, I was like, oh, well, that really explains a lot because i mean the like the, the, the rhythms of these songs especially yep. this the what let's get uh, this last one is just amazing um so then he, he's in detroit barry gordy hears him singing he gets signed to motown he's got the whole motown duet thing he goes off on his own um to the let's get it on section in the 70s he has his last number one hit is the song that blurred line is stolen from then he just okay. descends into cocaine and a lot oh. of problems Dude, in 1981, he records sexual healing in Belgium on the lamb from the IRS. He's Whoa. a he's <laughs> in tax exile in Belgium. Oh, he's God. recovering from his second divorce, heartbroken. His career is in shambles. He gets over there. He goes into the studio with two guys that he was touring with and records his last great song and then his like no the record's not as strong but the song is amazing um all right so jeff yeah did you catch the drum sound do you know what that is no it's an 808 man i thought it was gonna i was thought that was too easy yeah it's it's either this song so the roland tr 808 (laughs) drum machine is the most famous synthesizer slash drum machine period Except There's an entire Kanye drum. West record yeah. called 808s and Heartbreaks named after the drum machine. Oh, okay. the BC- stuff uses it. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. And there's the BC Boys lines, nothing sounds right like an 808. Like, everybody loves the 808. Depending on whether you want to count this or Africana Bombadas, Planet Rock, Planet Rock this is the first 808 song. Um, really? It's not, um, it's not on Prince's Dirty Mind? He's still using the Lin drum on that? My understanding, I mean, when you when I looked it that up, it must I don't be know. a Lin drum machine, but it's the same idea. But yeah, no, it's great. I can't. This is such a uh, arcane reference that maybe we'll have to cut it. But you're both coming to America fans, the Eddie Murphy movie. Yes? Oh yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. You remember when they're in the bar in Queens interviewing potential uh, dates for Eddie Murphy? Uh huh. There's a whole series of women that they're interviewing, and yes. there's the two female rappers, Peaches and Herb. And uh, she sings, my name is Peaches. I am the best. All the DJs want to feel my breast. Hiccup, hiccup, hiccup. It sounds exactly like, wake up, wake up, wake up. So now, every time I hear sexual healing, I think of that moment. It's, it's messing me up a little bit. But uh, that's the other great, the last great Marvin Gaye performance. Oh, I know. Yeah. When he sings the stars with the banner. Do you remember that, Tim? I do. I remember that really well. I actually watched the video again in preparation for this. Oh, wow. He's there in shades, and he's definitely high. Like, it's a little bit sad. It's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful vocal performance. And then, actually, the, the, verse, the music behind it is arranged by Gordon Guitar Banks. This is the guy who was Marvin Gaye's musical director down the stretch. And if you go back and re-listen to Sexual Healing, just listen to that guitar part. Okay, so we already heard several examples of that cheesy, gloppy, overproduced guitar part. Even the police song is too shiny. Like this song is like sharp, clear, and it's got like several different layers of like finger picky soloing things going on on top of it. And um, Jeff, I'll be curious if you agree. Huge precursor to Thriller. That guitar sound continues on through the best of this type of music in the 80s, and it's just awesome. Yeah, that kind of like, it's got the, it's almost like if you take the funky skank from a James Brown song and run it through 
like 80s production you end up with when it's done well you end up with this right it's what you oh yeah but it's also it's so much like it's really intricate and layered too yeah like when you go back when you go back and listen to it it sounds like it's a wash of keyboards but it's not at all it's mostly no. this guy's guitar part yeah and it, it listen to it at headphones so it like comes in and out on left to right like it's coming on top of it, itself it's just beautiful gorgeous it's great, huh. the, that was such a great modern day history lesson and you didn't even cover my favorite part i'm so what? impressed which What's is that part? is the first divorce he marries barry gordy's daughter that's his first marriage the boss marriage the boss's daughter it goes Godzilla bad. And in the weirdest divorce settlement of all time, she gets 100% of the royalties of his next album. So he goes into the studio to make the worst album he can make, <laughs> to tank it so she gets nothing. But then he gets all caught up in his own emotions and records a double album called Hear My Dear. Literally the name of the record is here. <laughs> and he, it's a hundred minutes long and it's just him ruminating on love and divorce and cheating and drug abuse. It's Is the it bad? Weirdest, weirdest record <laughs> ever made by a major artist. That's amazing. Oh, God, it's so great. A so any weird. songs that you take from that album? Nothing? No, when did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you? I think got to like 98 on the chart. But the record, it's mostly him talking to himself about how pissed <laughs> he is. Then he's getting divorced. Like the first song's like, I guess you could say this record is dedicated to you or something. I mean, it's just <laughs> bananas. If you ever, I'm sure it's on Spotify. Everything's out there now, but that, right. that's worth a 10 minute check. Wait, hold on. The last thing I will say. Yeah. Between sexual healing and let's get it on. If those aren't the two greatest lovemaking songs oh. ever, no, I know. you could put those two on a loop and you'll be fine. Like, Especially in my case, a very short loop. <laughs> well, but dude, it's also, it's like, it's like at the right pace. It's got the right emotion. It's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, the only one the, I would say might be in the same argument as Chardet's The Sweetest Taboo. Oh, that's great. Great. Yeah, that's song. a good one. Yeah. That's a good one for that mix. Um, well, what a lead in for where I am about to go because oh, Ben Barton, my pick is, 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 coming from this kind of soul renaissance that is happening in the early 80s um, where you have incredibly soulful singers uh, kind of showing us their sensitive side. We had a lot of white guys doing that in the 70s, the early 80s. Uh, the black gentlemen are stepping up. Are you ready, Jeff? Yep. Jeff's going to play 20 seconds of a song. Ben Barton, you're going to see if you can name the artist. Here we go. Go. All right, stop. Go to the next one. I should give you a chance to try and guess while we're in it. Cause you're not going to remember four songs ago. Did that first song? Oh, are they different that artists? <laughs> yes. The first, the first song was news to me. So. The first song. Oh, James Ingram. He just died last year. Uh, Quincy Jones and James Ingram find 100 ways. What you just heard was turn your love around. By was George that the Commodores, ben or who was it? That's George, George Benson. Benson. Or George Benson. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. All right. <laughs> next, next okay. Jeff. All right, next. This, this, this is so good. It's unforgivable. <laughs> Thing. And we 
Tim, do you like these songs? Do you actually like these? I like love these, You were like, oh, you know what we need to do is play Ben Martin 20 seconds in these songs? These songs are awful. They're terrible. They're disasters. Now, I have a really serious question for you. And these artists suck. Whoever this guy is, I don't even care. Like, you're going to tell me it's Lionel Richie. Don't care. Sucks. Sucks. That's Al Jarreau. How can Fine. you say Al Jarreau? Can I ask we, you a question, Tim? Like, when you saw Romancing the Stone, were you like, that's it? That is the life I want. You're, the soundtrack of your early adolescence sounds exactly like that Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Pennsylvania Columbia movie. Like oh, that was one sure. of the most important movies of my life. There you Romance go. of the Stone, yeah. And that's Joe why you're Wilder. an elderly white woman. The Joe Wilder. <laughs> uh, next, we got we got more. No. Go. Who was that? that? That was Champagne. Uh, they were a, a, an R&B band. What's fascinating no, is- they that, No, yeah, they, they weren't. They were. They were a hideous ballad band because there's no. no R or B in that at all. R they got none of those things. Soul. No, those, <laughs> That's not even a soul song. That is a gloopy ballad and it's useless. I won't have it. <laughs> so in 1981, in addition to those four artists, you also had Teddy Pendergrass, put out an album, Billy Ocean, Peebo Bryson, and you had the debut album of young Luther Vandross for the, for the best song of 1981, Never Too Much, go. Never Too Much by Luther Vandross. like it <laughs> well first of all i will say one thing that you did that was really smart is you softened us up the, yeah, that's right. the that's previous right. songs were yep. way worse you, yep. you were like it's like you, know, you beat us down for a little while and the last one i was like well you know it's this not is this is what i those other ones yeah this is what i do with my kids like here are all your chores and then i'm like okay just do this and they're like oh okay yeah i feel like your whole <laughs> soundtrack of your childhood should say directed by Harold Marimus at the end of it. Like, I mean, really, that sounds so much like That's a movie good. theme song. Like, like Ghostbusters. Has, first of all, the intro was too long, so you could do like 20th Century Fox Presents, a Harold Ramis film. Yeah. Bill Murray, you know, and then Never Too Much. And then that starts singing there, right? And then there's like a bunch of cuts of like Bill Murray walking through the city and he's like, knows the hot dog vendor. And then he I'm in. Like someone hands I'm him a in. flower. I mean, that is some, that whole thing sounds <laughs> like it was written for a guy to walk down the street to, like finger pistoling people. It's just, I, I also rough, love it. Like justice, it, that it, song. It's too early. We're only in the 80s. But Tim, at some point, they're going to have to explain the through line of these selections. Yeah, man. Like, people listening to this are going to be like, every week a different person embodies the skin suit that is Tim <laughs> and then comes up with a completely unconnected song to the last one. 
Like, there's no explanation. This is seriously, this is the weirdest selection that any one of the three of us has made, period. But I, like, I, I can't imagine how you heard it, let alone liked it. What radio station were you listening to? It's they... you in Massachusetts. Like, I know, like, like the Billy Squire. Like, how did this come up? Yeah. I love it. That's oh. a really good point, because there were not radio stations that reached down to situate playing Luther Vandross. There's no way. But first of all, number one, Ben, remember what you just said for next week. <laughs> and prepare yourself. Two corner, one part. Like, what are you going <laughs> to yeah. do to us next week? <laughs> and then, so my brother got a gig at um, WPSU when he was at Penn State, and he would send me tapes from his radio show. And somehow my brother gravitated toward this. So like, I, I know the Lou Rawls catalog because he would send me that tape. Um, and then he also sent me Luther Vandross. Um, I have no idea why, but this was By the, the way, music. You know, those are not college rock acts. Like, <laughs> I don't know what your brother was up to, but he was really out there for sure. May yeah, like he wasn't getting The Cure or X or R.E.M., you know, that wasn't his radio show. I'm going to have to ask him. I don't know how the heck he got onto the R&B soul hour at WPSU. And, so, and by the way, I'd never heard that song before. And I looked, up Luther, I looked up Luther Vandross on Wikipedia. And I was like, yeah. oh, I, I was like, oh, he's not Teddy Pendergrass. Like, I, I swear the picture in my mind was Teddy Pendergrass. No, like you were talking about no one's made more love to... <laughs> how do I say this? <laughs> Luther Vandross has provided the backdrop for more lovemaking than any other artist. I think. I don't know. This is, I'm going on gut instinct right now. But Luther Vandross, he's got 19, no, 13 studio albums uh, and then several other compilations over the years. Huge, huge uh, artist. What song does he sing backing vocals of Huge Hit of the 70s by David Bowie? Fame. Uh, Young Americans. Oh, same record, wrong song. Yeah, I can totally well, hear that. I'm sorry, he's, he's background on, on the whole album, and then he goes on tour with David Bowie. Um, you know, just, I, I saw this in that, do you ever see the documentary 20 Feet from Stardom? Sure. All, all about background singers. And they talked about Luther as this great background singer of the 70s. And then he finally gets his chance with this debut album in 1981. Well, wow. we'll, give, we'll let the listeners weigh in and see what they think of Luther. I've just got to make Isn't sure. Isn't Luther one of the guys that Eddie Murphy makes fun of in uh, yes. Comedian? Uh-huh. Yeah. He, That's he's it. the Kentucky Fried Chicken eating guy, right? Isn't that Luther Vandross? <laughs> Luther did have some um, issues with his weight throughout his life. Uh, but I think Teddy Pendergrass was always bigger. He's a big guy. Teddy Pendergrass is 6'7". Oh, like, is he really? Huge. Yeah. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Like, he was enormous. If you see them on Soul Train, like, he's a foot taller than the rest of the Blue Notes. It's actually really funny. <laughs> Um, well, it's going to be interesting. Our listeners, uh, Ben Barton, you weren't here for this conversation, are blowing up across the world. You're actually, he, he's not lying. We have more downloads than I ever thought we'd ever get after 10 weeks. Still haven't uh, resonated with the folks of Ireland, even though I keep going back to the well and picking songs from Ireland. But Ben, yeah, we're up to, what, what did we say? Like 750... 782 uh, downloads. Yeah, so. Wow. The goal was 1,000. Uh, we're only 12 years in. I think, I think we've got this. Nice. Nice. So we can make a decision in 1982 if we want to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> <Depending>. <laughs> no way. No way. Well, wait till you see my pick. All right, gentlemen. I can't even, dude. That is it. No, I, like if I, you pick I, a death metal song in 1982. I'm actually going to ask that you uh, you provide a blood sample for the 1983 podcast. Ben's on to something. Well, this is what happens when you never go to a record store and you're just dependent on the radio and you're constantly switching stations. I didn't buy tapes. I didn't buy albums. It's just radio, 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 and whatever the heck comes up, you just go with. It's a sad, it's strong. sad it's story. Strong. <laughs> But then there's, there's songs like, uh, 
like that Van Morrison song, both of the Van Morrison songs you played never got played in the radio. I mean, that you clearly own every Van right. Morrison record right. and listen to it. To Good find point. Them. Good point. Good this whole like, point. I'm just a neophyte floating through the world of pop radio and the healing has begun has never yeah. been played on the I, radio. Oh yeah, no. Uh, Irish, Irish artists, uh, have have a I have a new appreciation since I lived in Ireland that it's like oh now I got to dive into this artist. I really think but, Sirius SM needs to start a plain rock channel where you go from Gordon. You can't Lyons, have the word rock in it though. Gross, you cannot like, have the word rock. You cannot have the word rock. Yeah, yeah something plain songs. Yeah, uh, plains potpourri. I got to Sirius you, XM. Spotify playlist out of our picks. Yours is definitely the one that's most likely to cause a fight or like <laughs> some kind of ma- major change in a person. By the way, check out my Spotify playlist on uh, Tim Plain. Also check us out on the Drive-In Podcast Network, where not only can you hear great podcasts, you can buy gear, like stickers and T-shirts with 50 years of music on it. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get some plain potpourri T-shirts made oh up. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank By you, the way, and how about, I think it's the plain poo-poo platter. I think that's what we're actually going for. <laughs> that actually works better, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Look us up on Twitter and leave us a note. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Acid Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Electric Acid.